Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, people? Welcome to the Howls and Growls show. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of the Howls and Growls Timberwolves newsletter. And this podcast is proudly brought to you by Kana Supers and SB Nation. We're back today with another long-form episode with Trooper Carlson from Timberwolves Daily YouTube channel. We're going to talk about our overreactions for this young season, uh, some good things, some bad things, some D-Lo talk some Tory and Prince talk, some of the offense, some of the defense, a lot of things covered in just a short space of time. So really excited to be doing this every few weeks with Cooper. Again, he will be leading the conversation because this will also be going on his YouTube channel. Again, that's Timberwolves Daily YouTube. So uh, if you want to check him out, do that. Subscribe, definitely do that. But it will sound a little bit weird coming from my podcast because he will be leading that conversation. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy it. All right, hello and welcome back to Timberwolves Daily YouTube channel. Here with Jake painting once again. We talked before the season, and now that we're through the October games, the easy stretch, as people have said, we're going to evaluate the Wolves and give our overreactions. Just, you know, it's a nice way to have a good talking point. But Jake, how you doing, man? Shout out your content yeah. this season. It's been great. Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Um, happy to be back as usual. I'm happy to be doing this kind of fairly regularly throughout the season. So uh, you can find my podcast, which will include this episode, but a bunch of other stuff after games and on weekends um, at House and Growls or at Kana Supers. I'm sure you've probably heard of Kana Supers, but House and Growls is again my podcast and my Timbles newsletter. So um, loads of content on there every day. Um, all sorts of different stuff, videos, X's and O's stuff, um, post-game player ratings, whatnot. So, yeah, I'm having fun this season, even though it has been pretty stressful at times. <laughs> <laughs> it's been something. They're four and three, which, hey, on paper, good record, right? West is a right. weird, it, it's been a weird start, but they're four and three. They played the Thunder a couple times, the Spurs three times for some reason, the Lakers, the Jazz. It's been been a weird start to the season you know on paper before the season we were all like hey five and two minimum are we riot they're four and three uh, <laughs> here we are it's weird it's been a weird season but i mean i after I, I i'm not here to be like super concerned of course but after the first spurs game where they were down 35 i was ready to throw my computer at the wall but now i've yeah. calmed down a little bit there's most I think that was spurs the only game that... stuff yeah i think that was the only game that i was really like what's going yep. on here i mean the, re- the rest of the the I maintain every season the premise that the entire league is super weird for like 15 games. Like, you look at the West standings right now, and I don't even know how you could be like Spurs and melting, third, I think. Yeah, melting down. Like, you know, the, the, this, this, is, this happens every season. Every single season, this happens. Bad teams are usually pretty good to start the year. 
good teams can be pretty bad. Um, so while there is definitely concerns and we'll get into some of those concerns, I think that it, it is just normal early season weirdness that, that's happening right now. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't fault those that are a little overreacting, angry at it because this was the most hyped up season in yeah. ever, like yeah. the most talented roster. It's going to take time to gel and all that, but seeing it, seeing them just come out flat consistently, I get it. I get why people can overreact or can be mad. Like I'm not going to get mad at the mad people. <laughs> I understand yeah, it. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. It makes sense. They've come out flat. It's been a weird start. Talented roster. All the stuff before the season just to, you know, kind of come out and go four and three and not what we were hoping for, but it'll get better, of course. I'll throw it over to you. We'll start overreactions, positive and negative. We have a few for each through seven games through October. What do you got to start us off? Uh, I'm going to start with a positive because I don't like to be negative. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not my place to come on here and bag players, although that's probably what I'm going to end up doing because we, <laughs> ne- we are doing some negatives. But I think that, I mean, this is this is a good example of why early season weirdness exists and also why staying in the Timberwolves bubble kind of can, can, can distort your opinions. And that's the fact that right now the Timberwolves are fourth on defense and that feels like a lie. Um <laughs> But they are fourth on defense, and I'm pretty sure that when they start actually hitting three-point shots at a rate that isn't, like, bottom 20 all-time, they're going to be a pretty elite team. They are giving up 107.4 points per 100 possessions, which is behind the Bucks, who are great, the Cavs, who have been great, and the Lakers, surprisingly, who are actually what? very good defense. Yeah, who are actually very good defensively. They just are the worst shooting team ever so that they're kind of almost in the same boat as minnesota just a lot worse in terms of talent and shooting but within those defensive numbers the wolves are allowing the second lowest effective field goal percentage they turn teams over at the eighth highest rate uh teams are getting to the line at the third lowest rate against them and teams are shooting the lowest percentage in the league at the rim against them so as much as we watch these games and we're like, wow, this defense kind of stinks right now. I mean, compared to every other team in the league, it's at an elite level and all of the numbers inside that big defensive number back that up. So my my good overreaction is that even if this defense drops off a little bit more and they just start hitting shots, I mean, they are hitting, they're just hitting no shots from three, like, I understand that some of that is the play style. You know, some of these guys probably aren't moving the ball enough, but is Anthony Edwards going to shoot 34% for the season? Probably not. Cat's not going to shoot 34%. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's not going to shoot 27.5%. Forbes and Noel have both been terrible from three. Yeah, Noel 26.5, Forbes 12.5, McLaughlin 12.5. Like, if you get minor increases from most of those guys who probably are in line for major increases, then... Like, this team is probably a top five team in that rating. So, like, that's my, my overreaction. And I guess my hopeful spin on this is that I truly believe right now there are a lot of problems, multiple problems, but shot variance and the fact that they're not just hitting three-point shots is by far the biggest one and the one that will clean itself up over time. So my overreaction is that this team will be very good if they just hit shots. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's definitely fair. Obviously, Noel 
he had this electric start, and you kind of look at the stats, and I mean, the last couple games have been weird, but the three-point percentage, and you notice it in game, he's getting wide-open looks. He's gonna mm-hmm. hit those. Forbes yeah. has been really weird. He just, I mean, he gets in the game, and I haven't loved what I've no, seen from yeah, Brent Forbes at all. No fun but, at all. And if he's we were not also, hitting shots, then he's yeah, not doing anything, really. So. Nothing at all. We were also both right on Austin Rivers, but that's its own thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the shooting, it will come to, I think you mentioned everyone, that's just way down there. And on the defensive end, you mentioned the rim defense. If I were to just do a mini over, I don't know if it's an overreaction, but just a take, I think Jaden McDaniels might be the most underrated rim defender in the entire league. Like, he has been legit awesome on that end for, well, basically since he's taken over that I don't want to say starting role, but since he's been getting consistent minutes, he's been, like, statistically up there with the best of the best. And we've seen it this year. The blocks are increasing. Nobody can score on him down low. Like, guys are getting down there, but McDaniels is unbelievable as a rim defender. And, of course, they have Gobert. And, hey, Nas Reed's a really good rim protector statistically. So, I was shocked when I saw that, honestly, but a while back. They got three really solid rim defenders. Perimeter defense is a work in progress. They'll figure it out, I think. I think they have the talent and the athletic ability there with Ant, Jaden, and even Carl at times. I think they've got the players to have good perimeter defense and for sure to have elite rim defense. So, yeah, I mean, I I do think this team is going to be good. I think they're going to be a top five team, like you mentioned, possibly net rating. Right now, things are wonky, but the signs are there. We're seeing it. These players have so much talent. It's not like, it's not like these, we were just hoping they would be talented. Like we knew how talented these guys were and they're showing it in spurts. It's more of sometimes just an energy thing coming out, playing hard and just showing how good they really are, which, yeah, I mean, my biggest reaction to all of this has just been the team is, is flat. Like that's, it's been tough to watch because you watch the Jazz, right? The Jazz come out electric and so much fun. The Spurs are out in transition. They're just, you know, they're not good, but they're trying really hard and they're winning games. Same with the Jazz. Then the Wolves, it just, you know, don't want to dog on them and all that, but it's been kind of entitled, just lazy, like coming out, mm-hmm. we're playing the Thunder, we're playing the Spurs, here we're going to win easily. And then halftime, you're down 10, third quarter, you're on a 9-0 run for the opposing team. It's like, it's been consistent with how little energy they've shown, which you can flip it around and say it's encouraging because at least they're not getting beat due to, like, lack of talent. And Jack said to me, like, maybe the laziness and all this is just them trying to integrate a new system, being hesitant because they're not really sure of their roles yet. But, yeah, my biggest negative overreaction is just that this team, the team we thought was going to be the most fun team in years, has been not very fun to watch. And yeah, that's... I mean, that's the crux of the losses. It's just, it's not talent. It's just lack of effort. So I don't know what your whole take is on that side, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of the things you said there. I want, I do wonder if that will change now that the schedule toughens up a little bit. Like, did, I think it, it will. Was it the schedule that was making them a bit lax? And will it change now that they're playing good teams every night? And if you don't bring it, from minute one against a good team, you know, if they don't do it against the Suns, who are starting to play really good basketball again, um, or the Bucks, you're probably going to lose by 35. So <laughs> they're, they're kind of the options is that you bring it or you get run out of the building. So I do wonder if, if that will change. I mean, I, but I agree with you. The only, the only consistent thing has been that they've been 
inconsistent (laughs) (laughs) effort-wise. So, um, like I said, I think the numbers show one thing, but when we watch the game, we see that either those numbers... The numbers aren't lying, per se, but the numbers could be much better if they just play with a bit more energy, a bit more chemistry, which obviously takes some time to find. But, um, yeah, I I, I think it's a good... it's, it's, It's a reaction that's not even really an overreaction because... It's it's seems obvious to every everyone who's watching it. Um, all right, I'll I'll give you one more good one, and then I'll do a bad one. Um, <laughs> the one guy, I mean, I think everyone has had their moments. I think everyone has had. I mean, some players have had really good seasons. Jalen Noel, I think, um, and in occasional games has been great. Occasional games have been flat. The one guy who's been awesome every game is Torian Prince. Um, I mean. I, Torian Prince might be their most impactful bench player right now. Maybe that's an overreaction because Jalen Noel has been really good at times. Uh, but I think Torian Prince has been their best bench player. You're talking about a guy who defends really hard, really good positionally as a defender. And also is shooting... I mean, I talked about the shooting before. He's shooting 57.1% from three. And 62.9% from the field. And he's not just a three-point shooter. I mean, uh, over half of his shots, 60% of his shots or something are coming from three. But it feels like he's gotten more bounce, you know, towards the rim. He's coming off screens harder. He's hitting shots. He's got that Dr. J layup package going. Layup package is beautiful this season. Yeah, yeah. he's getting out in transition. He's He's not a negative playmaker. Like, he's not designed to be a playmaker. But he moves the ball well. Um, and yeah, really good defender as well. So I, I think right now, I mean, Torian, they probably been they probably be four and uh, three and four or two and five without Torian Prince. He's had a couple of big games, a couple of big stretches where the team needed it. That Lakers game specifically, I thought uh, they would be in really really big trouble without him out there. So yeah, I I don't think I'm crowning Torian as anything more than the seventh man that he is, but I do think. <laughs> Right now, he's just been super impactful and, and one of the best bench players, if not the bench best bench player on the team. Yeah, I mean, he's been an excellent stabilizing force, which is what a yeah. type of thing we've been asking for. You know, they don't have Pat Bev, they don't have Vando, the energy guys, but they do still have Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, and without Anderson, and without Bev, and without, you know, a lot of veterans. A lot of this fell on Torian Prince's shoulders, and he kind of handled it with grace. He'd come in games where the Wolves were struggling or the Lakers game, and just inject a spark. And he played really well on both sides. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it on offense. He looks he looks like he looks like he's 25. Like, he's just yeah. playing out of his mind on that end right now. Getting to the rim, shooting a three. Like, if it was just 57% from three, and we're not seeing much else from getting to the rim or anything, it'd still be crazy. But yeah, you mentioned, like, his he just looks more spry, and just, uh, there's something about it. Looks like he really put in a great offseason, but... He's in a contract. He's he's in a contract year, right? So yeah, I think he's got a, a team option maybe for next season. So maybe either um, way, or yeah. a player option. One of the, he's got an option for sure. But right. um, I mean, it, it looks like a deal that kind of went under the radar. That nine million mm-hmm. or whatever, eight million that they're paying him. Um, and he wanted to be back. Like he took less yeah. money to come back here, from what we heard. So yeah, and glad he's, he's here. Cool. He's just cool, man. I like yeah, I yeah. love Torian. I've always <laughs> loved him. So I'm happy that he's playing really well. I'm happy that he's got. I mean, last season at this time, he was terrible, and then he was out of the rotation for a bit. So this season, it looks like he's kind of um, 
burst out of the gates in the opposite direction to last season. So when the yes. when the team when the team comes around shooting wise, especially, I hope that he's you know still making above forty percent of his shots, and then he, it, he'll look even better. Oh, absolutely. He's not going to shoot a fifty-seven percent. No. I don't. You know, that was a hot take for you, but if he can, that's that's the kind of stuff 40. that makes me that I want to point to when I when it's like you know the sky is falling is that people are shooting sixty percent from three still for this <laughs> entire season. That's how young this season is. Right, it just right. things change so quickly. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. So that you said you don't have any more uh, positive ones, but I'll I'll throw this I'll throw a name at you, and you know where I'm going with this. But his yeah. name's his name's Jordan McLaughlin. Does he somehow tie into one of your negative yeah. ones? Well, how long we got? Fifteen minutes through this yeah. podcast without without mentioning, which might be a new high. <laughs> um, I've just well, been yeah. waiting, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it does because I think that, and I don't want to put it all on D'Lo because I, I mean the starters aren't really working right now. Um, just as a whole, everyone's had got you know something bad about their on-off numbers or just the way we're watching them. It just looks clunky. But I think specifically D'Lo isn't working and or isn't working the way that we thought he would be working. We sat here a few weeks ago thinking that D'Lo would be the guy who who benefits from right. having Rudy Gobert on on the floor and who has a career year whether it be shooting or passing um maybe not scoring per se because there was more options on the floor but we sat here thinking that his peripheral game was going to make him uh have one of the best seasons that he's had of his career and be really impactful and currently the wolves are 13.3 points per 100 possessions better when he's off the floor which actually includes 11.4 points per 100 better offensively when he's off the floor. So it's not even the defense that's really killing him, killing them, or, although I think the defense is killing them because, I mean, Gobert and Cat are just getting attacked relentlessly in pick and roll, and, and he's getting put into way more pick and rolls than he did last season. I don't know if that's Finch allowing him to do so, if teams are just hunting him out more than they did last the season. The loss of when- Beverly is... I think yeah. quite a large role there. Well, yeah, there's no other guard defender. You have usually mm-hmm. have Ant, Ant and Jaden, but you don't have like an actual guard defender out there, right. like Pat Bev was. So there's no no more hiding or less hiding, um, and he's getting torched on defense. But but it's the again it's the offense. Like this team is just slow. Uh, the ball movement slows down, and again I don't want to say that other guys aren't doing that because obviously I think Anthony Edwards is as well. But when you're when you're looking at it, I mean, they're, they're, they're shooting three percent worse from the rim when he's out there. They're shooting seven point five percent worse from three when he's out there. They're not getting enough. They're not getting shots at the rim. They're not getting shots at the out on the outside. There is ten second cat and mouse pick and rolls are fine if he was playing really good in the pick and roll, but he's not. Uh, I don't know. I think it was Timberwolves clips on on Twitter had this that he's had four assists to go bear all season. Um, so it's not like if you're taking 12, 13, 14 seconds off the clock to get a mid-range shot or, you know, a kick out and reset with eight seconds left on the clock, um, that doesn't work. That's that's a really big part of the stickiness um, that we're seeing. And teams just, and it's because teams just don't respect him as a scorer in the pick and roll. And that's why it's, it seems so hard for him to get the ball to go bare because teams are just glued to go bare on the pick and roll. They don't. If D'Angelo Russell beats them on layups, they will walk away and shake Minnesota's hand 
And, you know, because right, they know that D'Angelo Russell will not beat them on layoffs. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And that's a problem. And, I I mean, again, you turn it back to Jordan McLaughlin, is that all those numbers are pretty much... I should probably, I can go through them, but all those numbers are pretty much the exact opposite from McLaughlin. Like, you know, the Mm -hmm. team is 29.7 points per 100 possessions better when he's on the floor. They're, you know, they are 2.5 better point, uh, they're 4.9 points better per 100 possessions defensively when he's on the floor. 24.8 point uh, per 100 better when he's on the floor offensively. So, I don't want to get. I don't want to live in these numbers because numbers are wonky, especially at the start of the season. But the pace, the energy, the unwilling, almost unwillingness to be a scorer from McLaughlin opens things up for everyone else who is so willing to be a scorer. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't think that starting, starting McLaughlin and benching D'Lo is a thing that any coach in their basically second year would have the balls to do because that's. The politics yeah, within that, that. Are, yep. the politics within that are just like crazy. But um, I don't know. It's working better with McLaughlin. It's not working with D'Lo, and D'Lo is meant to be the table setter for this entire offense. And I think that he's the main, the the starting point for the problems, but not the only problem. Yeah. So there's been seven games played so far, and if you look at shots per game from D'Lo and Cat, there's one weird game for each. D'Lo had five shots in one game. Cat had twenty five shots in one game. If you kind of like remove those and then take six to seven games, they're shooting about the same amount of shots per game, which to me is, I don't need that. D'Angelo Russell, I know you've got to get your 15 shots per game, but I hate that. I don't like yeah. that at all. Yeah. 10 of those can be going, to, I mean, not 10, but you know, those can be going to Ant, Cat, McDaniels, like, especially if you're shooting the way you are right now. D'Lo yeah. for me has been a weird topic because i was all in on trading him before the gobert trade then the gobert trade happened it was like all right let's make this work it's gonna be great and that was the consensus right it's not like yeah yeah, were, yeah exactly you know, i think everyone flip-flopped a little bit there because theoretically it should be working right now right Ex- yes so now after seven games my biggest overreaction is probably that i'm going back to the other side a little bit here and how mm-hmm. how can you not right again most hyped <laughs> up season ever we got ant here we got cat here and D'Angelo Russell just took another transition three-pointer. Like, oh my god. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. It's frustrating because... Yeah, another... Like, my most negative thing here is that I really do think hierarchy, politics, and egos are going to get in the way of the Wolves reaching their ceiling. Like, the best lineup combination to end the most recent game may have included Nas Reed, but you yeah. gotta put Cat and Rudy in the game. 
because they're paying, being paid 90 mil. Wolves are rolling with the Nas lineup, maybe keep him in a bit longer. Finch said he would have liked to after the game. And then you got D'Lo, you mentioned it. Jordan McLaughlin running this offense is a work of art, but he's going to be playing, playing 12 to 15 minutes per night. Well, D'Angelo Russell gets, you know, 30 to 33 minutes per night. Maybe those can go more, more towards the middle, but not without friction in the locker room from D'Angelo Russell. Like, he's not gonna, he's not just going to accept a lesser role. That's, yeah, it's just not gonna happen. Like, he's getting paid 30 mil per year. There's politics here. I really do think hierarchy and just egos and all that is going to play a large role. And you mentioned it, Finch in his second year. You can't just come in and, well, you can't. Do game six against the Grizzlies where you uh, put D'Lo on the bench for Jordan yeah. McLaughlin without I mean, having... it would be super ballsy for him to do yeah. that. But like, and I'd love to see it, but it will not like happen. Right now, it won't happen. But if they're, if they're 10 and 15, then it might Something's happen. You change. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah when, when panic, if panic mode sets in, which again, I don't think we should be in panic mode right now. But like, there's a really... Whether you look at the statistics, whether you look at the, the gameplay, whether you look at... You know, just the synergy between the guys when you're watching it. There's a really obvious answer in there, <laughs> and and maybe some of it is less on D'Lo and more that Jordan McLaughlin is just really good with these guys. Like it's more of a well, he's good. You know, I mean, the best two man lineup is McLaughlin and Noel. Like it's not just the starters; he's great oh, with everybody. Yeah. Nasri, yeah, I mean, excellent. Like it's it's insane. I mean, I posted those numbers last night that I won't go through, but it was every every combination yeah. of him. With the starters, with the starters minus D'Lo, if he was in that position, the the lowest is a zero point zero. Every but there are there are multiple combinations with either like Cat and Ant or Ant by himself or Rudy and Ant that are above like 50, plus fifty net rating when they're on the floor. Like, and that's what they're missing. They're missing a guy who can set the table and then get get off the ball. He doesn't even need to be a good shooter because D'Lo's not shooting the ball very well. Didn't shoot the ball very well last season. Um, yeah, and you got. I mean, it's not like it's not like you don't have scores. You have Edwards and Towns, two of the best scorers yeah. in the league. Like they should be getting twenty shots per game instead of D'Lo equaling their shots. And hey, he's known for being a scorer. Like he's been a scorer his whole career. But that's not what the Wolves need. And yeah. I don't know where this and goes. It was, it was easier to swallow when we had three years left on D'Lo's contract. Like we have two right now. We have yeah. and six no Anthony left Edwards. On- yeah, we have six months left on his contract or, you know, eight months and he hasn't been offered an extension or hasn't accepted an extension that they've offered. We don't know that he's been offered one. Um, signs point to him not being here, especially if he plays badly. He's not going to accept something that's way less than his market value or his perceived market value. Now it's hard for me to swallow because I don't even know if D'Angelo Russell is going to play for the Timberwolves next season. And yeah. Jordan McLaughlin, you can re-sign for cheap. You can extend him for four years for probably twenty million, and oh, all yeah. of a sudden you, and then you've got you can buy you can go and get another backup point guard in the trade market or in. Would um, you be comfortable having McLaughlin as the starter for this group? Yes, like the and, eighty-two and game, thirty minute I, per game. Yeah, I would, and I understand the tre- the trepidation there because there is. I mean, he's not a great three-point shooter. He doesn't get, he's not a great scorer in general. And at times we can say, well, there's other scorers on the, on the Timberwolves, but at at times just like D'Lo on defense or just like Ant sometimes on defense, teams will find your weak point and they will hunt out ways to, 
um, kind of get into that weak point and destroy you from the inside. And if Jordan McLaughlin can't shoot, and not just is not shooting well, like D'Lo is not shooting well, but teams do respect him as a shooter. Mm-hmm. If teams start leaving J-Mac open and you have Gobert on the floor, that's an issue. So, but I think that the trade-off right now is that you get way better point of attack defense. He's just as good, if not better, going to the rim. He plays fast, and he's a better yeah, passer. The pace of play is definitely a big one, because I think D- yeah. D'Lo plays at his own pace. He plays kind of what he what his cat and mouse game is comfortable with, but J-Mac, J-Mac is focused on the... Not saying D'Lo isn't focused on the offense as a whole, but like he's got to get his 15 style. shots as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just game style. Like, I, I 100%. think D'Lo is worse for this team than he is as a player. I mean, D'Lo yes, could go to a, a, a lot player. of other... Play- yeah, he's not a bad player. And he can be a really good player. But for him to be a really good player, it doesn't. His game, that game style doesn't fit what this team needs to be a really good team. And that's I don't see that changing. So that's why I would prefer McLaughlin because I think that you could at least cover some of McLaughlin's deficiencies by having better strengths because he's on the floor. So, I mean, that's yeah. a talking point. That's a real talking point right now for me, at least. I mean, me if too. I say it on Twitter, I will get um, exactly. bombarded. <laughs> But you know that it's it's an issue. It's an issue, and I think it's the, to me it's the biggest one right now. Yep, and it's I mean it's the biggest and most obvious. I mean, if you just watch yeah. the game, it's it's right there, and you see it. Maybe McLaughlin it's just because it's not the easiest yeah. fix. Maybe because it's not the easiest fix, it seems like the biggest problem because you just like just do it, you know, <laughs> just fix yeah. it right there. Yeah, and just the high hopes. I mean, maybe it was just false hope. It doesn't seem like it, but yeah. hyping up D'Lo before the season as like, hey, this is going to yeah. be a career year, and just this first seven games have been more of the, just what we all saw, and it's tough, and we saw it. McLaughlin missed the last two games. Like, you clearly, the Wolves are missing his presence. Doesn't help that Austin Rivers is the answer. He is, I mean, <laughs> he's the answer. I hate the question. Like, oh my god, he's been, he's been horrible. He's got nothing for me. He's like Josh Akogi if Akogi wasn't I don't know, as explosive or... I'm not even saying... I don't know, oh, it's mean... just bad. <laughs> um, yeah, well, the problem is that the other answer to that question is Bryn, being, being Bryn Forbes, so... Yeah, it's but not Bryn a good Forbes has been right horrible, too. Yeah. <laughs> if I see one more Bryn question. Forbes pump fake and drive to the rim, I might I might be... Like, that. Yeah, I'd rather begging just you shoot, to go to the rim. Just shoot and miss the contested yeah. three, <laughs> yeah. or just don't do anything, I mean, just yeah. pass the ball. Exactly, it... Why was he in with like three minutes to go last night? That was oh, a little yeah, weird. I have no idea. I just kind of looked up at the Chris TV Finch and it, there was Chris Bryn Finch Forbes. Chris Finch had a bad night. Last yeah, night. he did. Yeah, he did. And, and I'm he, a Chris it, Finch yeah. stand as well, but um, yeah, that was Tough. a bad night. All right. Last question. Two minutes left before I get you out of here. How long is the leash for your guy, Chris Finch, you think? Is it, uh, say they're 10 I, and 15. Is his, is his seat warm? Uh, if they're 10 and 15, his seat's warm. If... Uh, if you are calling for Chris Finch to be fired or questioning whether he can coach at four and three. No, definitely after, not. No, not you, but just oh, I know okay. people are um, on Twitter, which is a cesspit in general. But <laughs> um, like after what he did for this team last season, I advise you to go and look at last season's predictions, just like you're probably thinking, well, they should be winning 50 games this year. Well, last night game, last season, they should have won 35 and they won 46 and they probably should have won a playoff series, and I don't think that all of that was down to Chris Finch missing shots for them when the game was on the line. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
I like I said, I'm a Chris Finch fan. If they're ten and fifteen, if they, if it keeps just being, if it's horrible for the whole season, the novel, of course, his seat is warm because their expectations yeah. are super high, and they have an ownership group who probably aren't unwilling to fire someone if they're not meeting expectations. But right now, his seat isn't even like lukewarm. His seat isn't. He, he is sitting. It might be. Yeah. It's cold still. Like he has tickets. He's comfortable. In, yeah, he has tickets in the bank from <laughs> leading one of the best seasons in Minnesota history last season, which is sad but true. In his first season as a coach, they played yeah. one. They played one defense that shouldn't have worked. They had no other options. He made that one defense work and work well, and they were the best offense in the league in, after January. Like, there is no reason that he shouldn't get. I mean, even if his seat was warm at 10 and 15, it would have to be to 20 and 40 before they fire him, I think. You know, like it's, yeah. they will give him time to figure this out because he's earned time to figure this out and he's a really good coach. So I'm passionate about that, as you can probably tell, because <laughs> I just think, I just think it's dumb. I feel like it's more, it's, it's just silly to blame it all on Chris Finch when, it's I mean, just when things like go wrong before, with the team, the coach is the first yeah. domino. Always. And I've been the and I've been the guy, you know, I wanted Ryan gone, I wanted Tibbs gone, so I'm not um innocent in wanting coaches gone. I think that's a fine thing to ask for, but I mean if if more than three of his rotation players can shoot over thirty percent from three, <laughs> that that would probably help Chris Finch's job security. <laughs> yeah, I always go back to Chris Finch is not on the court. Like they're just playing. Chris Finch could terrible. probably hit more threes than yeah. the team, this team yeah. right now if he was on the court. It, yeah, it's like, well, why doesn't he inject more life into them? And that's I don't know. Like cats in year eight, like Dila's in year eight. If they can't come out of halftime with a little bit of energy, if without their coach giving them like a rah rah speech, then that's its own little issue there. Like, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, obviously we don't know what goes on, and, and there exactly. is coaches that that. that um, do coach lifeless teams, but I mean, it's not like he's in half in at halftime saying, "Let's just start this slow." <laughs> like, there's not, what else? What else? Can, um, and we know Chris Finch gets on dudes. Like, mm-hmm. we know that he they and they all love him. So it's not like he's lost the, the locker room. Yeah. Um, it's been a consistent problem. It's a it's a problem with the personnel more than him. And that's not saying they're lazy, but I think they do have they have too many guys who have a tendency to be to have a slow quarter or a slow five minutes. And mm-hmm. you can have those guys, like you can survive with Cat and Ant and D-Lo on, di- on different things. But when they're all having one of those moments at the same time, and they all do, then there isn't anything the coach can do. Like, because he can't, you know, inject them with any more life than what they can inject themselves. Like. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm Team Chris Finch, and I don't even want to say that because it's a dumb thing to say right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not we're not here to hashtag fire Chris Finch yet. So yeah, yeah, next week maybe. But uh, no, just kidding. Uh, thanks again, Jay. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on, and I'm sure we'll do this again in a couple of weeks or so. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it as always. Yeah, no problem.